There aren't many wrestling names that top Peanut Butter Falcon. At least that's what directors Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz thought when they chose the title for their debut film, Peanut Butter Falcon. Released in 2019, the film follows Zack as he runs away from his care home to achieve his dream of becoming a wrestler. This is also the film debut of newcomer Zack Gottsagen, surrounded by Shia LaBeouf and Dakota Johnson. This is an amazing, heartwarming film that will catch you completely off guard and keep you invested throughout. It's a great watch, and if you haven't seen it, it's a big recommend from all of us. Sparrow's off this episode, so me, Benas, and Louis get into it. Enjoy. Welcome to You Never Forget Your First, the podcast about directors' first films. I am here. My name is Dom. <laughs> I'm joined and good by. Night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joined by Louis, which is hello. hello, hello. Joined by Dennis. Yeah, just reading over my list. <laughs> and joined by Sparrow. No Sparrow. This oh, episode. Who would have thought? He's probably rewatching Malik. I'm just <laughs> going to say that's his excuse. Either that, or he really hates this film, which I don't think is true. <laughs> this film is unhateable, so I doubt that that's what's happening here. So it's the podcast. You'd be hard pressed to like uh, find someone who hates the film. Like it's incredibly hard. <laughs> Glad you brought it up, guys. I hate it. I hate it so much. So how is everyone finding this current lockdown? Easy. I mean, you, you, all you do is don't do anything at all. Just be at home. <laughs> I don't know. It's, that, it's like that is true. It's a first world problem. I think it's quite depressing how similar it is to when we weren't in lockdown. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like nothing's changed except more people are out on the streets because nothing is open. <laughs> As the weather got colder and, you know, the cases were going up, everyone was basically staying at home anyway. And so now it just all feels like an extension. But now it's like, because you've been told that you have to stay inside, everyone's like, well, I don't want to stay inside. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't want to do what you tell me. (laughs) You cheated on me after I specifically asked you not to. (laughs) Uh, I was looking to book tickets for Mank in Prince Charles Cinema. That's the new David Fincher film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also... Every fucking podcast we talk about Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's annoying by this point, but we, Netflix, I guess we yeah. have. Um, but it seems like all the, a lot of, not all that, but a lot of the filmmakers are flocking to Netflix because they just offer that creative freedom. But whilst at the same, at the same time, a lot of uh, the customers get annoyed with them because they keep cancelling shows. And so I read another interview with uh, people, well, that booked the shows, essentially. I forget their name, so that's why I said that. Show bookers. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and they were like, sure, we, like, we cancel seasons, you know, shows after a certain amount of seasons, it, what seems to be annoying a lot of customers. But at the same time, we order shows not from a pilot, we just order them straight to season which means that they take a lot more risks than networks do. Because right. a, a lot of them would just order a pilot, if it works, for test screen audiences or whatever, then they'll book more. But with these guys, mm-hmm. they'll be like, yo, season Make one. Whole thing. Exactly. And then that's why, essentially, that's because it, it, it feels like it's a trial and error system on a, like a million dollar budget <laughs> scale. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I suppose, Netflix kind of like pocket change or whatever. I don't know. It probably makes for better stories, at least for the first season, right? Because it means you don't have to cram everything into a pilot and then see where that takes you. At the same time, it also draws in more audiences because they'll be like, you know, oh, they have that on there. And you never know, will it or won't be cancelled. Speaking of streaming, I, I've started using Apple TV a lot more recently. I think it's interesting, Apple TV, because it's not really been pushed that much, I feel, and the, it doesn't seem like there's yeah, anything on it. And then 
They've got some amazing films on there. When I went on the movies thing, the first thing that came up was was uh, the Untouchables, and I was like, "You're either listening to me, or this is the best. <laughs> this is the best yeah, streaming service you, I've ever been on." I just watched the whole of the Morning Show on there. Is it which, good? Um, Steve Carell, right? Steve Carell, um, Jennifer Aniston. It was so good. It was the level of writing and filmmaking in it is just a cut above so much stuff. If you want to see everything, Now TV, Netflix, Amazon, Mubi, if you're you, uh, <laughs> Apple TV Plus, that's what, like 50 quid a month or something. Yeah, I do feel like there needs to be someone who comes in and they're just like, just yeah. pay this amount. Yeah, and do the one thing. We'll just sort everything for basically you. Basically what Netflix was until three years ago. So basically, we talk about this every <laughs> Sean Sean Parker's going to come in and be like, yo, bundle feature, drop, <laughs> drop the... It's cleaner. There it is. <laughs> Drop the flicks. Just net. <laughs> I got you. No worries. Yeah. Yeah. Two seasons is cool. You know what is cool? Three seasons. <laughs> I also watched uh, on the film front. I watched a a kind of teen romance film called The First Time, which was on Amazon Prime. I it was on my list of films. I don't know why it was on there, but that list I'm beholden to. So at some point, I must have put it on for a reason. So, I watched it. so anybody can put shit on your list, and you'll just watch it. If you can hack into my phone and put it on. You can put on whatever you want. <laughs> uh, and then I watched Infernal Affairs, which is the film that The Departed remade. Yeah, that is a great film. For example, like that film is so well done. You'd think like, why do they want uh, a remake? Or... But it's not about that. It's basically development companies. What they do is they look at uh, international box offices and they look at films that do top scores. And then they look if rights are available. And if they can book them, then they'll remake that. But it's just, it's just about basically making money. That's all it is. That the, the, oh, is that what it's about? Yeah, yeah. That's what it's it's about. basically you're trying to jump in <laughs> on somebody else's game, and what you're doing is just getting some money on it. I've watched War to War CNN for the last two weeks, <laughs> and that's enough drama for me. I don't need fictitious drama. It's better than any movie. It's it's good fun to watch. Because, like, to be fair, I, I watched Vice um, on the on Saturday, which was the night that Biden got. Um, oh, elected, nice. right, or whatever. Vice presidency is mostly a symbolic job. <laughs> <laughs> and then this guy just rules the fucking world for like four four years straight. Great movie. Um, I'm sure Sparrow would agree because yeah, big time. It's one of his. Can't pick it up there. Um, I now- wonder if someone like Adam McKay might make a film about this election in like ten years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I've got a feeling at a moment at least uh, it feels a bit like rose petals kind of like so i'd imagine his intro to the film be like um for anyone that's seen vice there's like there's a bit that's like oh um so dick cheney all he did was fish and his family did n- n- never went back to politics and they lived a happy ever after <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's what is <laughs> exactly so th- i feel like that's what that's the type of tone would be for this presidency at least at least the beginning of it who knows where we go from there but yeah your your list then is yeah, it's long but not as long as it normally is i love how you were like it's pretty short this week and then it's like 20 films but <laughs> i feel like you've been on a on a edgar wright binge a little bit because you've done Shaun of the dead but then you've also done american werewolf in london yeah which is one of one of his favorite films i think yeah well what you i suppose what you would notice is that a lot of these are horror the first the first one being swallow which is uh, an indie film about uh this woman who she has an urgency to kind of like uh swallow kind of dangerous items if you will so like a pebble or a, a pin or shit like that and how to kind of like 
it's an interesting film. I wouldn't say it's much as scary. It's much more just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Is it scarier than the uh, typo that I think's happened here where you said, nobody does in the woods tonight, brackets, Polish horror. That just sounds frightening <laughs> from a spelling perspective. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's nobody dies in the woods. So, yeah. No. yeah. I thought it was nobody goes in the woods tonight because there's only a D, D and a D. Tell you what I was surprised to see on Prime, which I see is on your list. 1917, which I remember I saw yeah. with Louis at the IMAX, I think, and Sparrow. Yeah, and Sparrow, yeah. It's interesting, 1917, I, I really want to rewatch it, and I wonder what the experience will be like rewatching it on a TV. Yeah, so, have, you seen that, have you seen that remake? That, um, I think I sent it to oh, you, Oh, yeah, yeah, the short film. There's a short film that's actually pretty well done. Wait, it's um, 2020? About um, lockdown, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really good. It's a good idea and like a really like I suppose timely in a sense. I was saying to Dom, it's the one you wish you made. It's like why why didn't we try that? Yeah, but then you could we could say the same thing about the film Host by Robert Savage. It's like we could have done the horror film on Zoom. On, on Zoom, yeah, which was amazing. By the way, fifty four minutes was like so tight and so so well done. Um, oh. But so. <laughs> 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 it's like movie connoisseur like, let me pour another no, whiskey like in. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to tell everyone that I got a recommendation for a 10 year Talisker whiskey just before we came on here <laughs> oh trust me it's good got a little smoke to it um, um, I want to see the host that, the, yeah, the horror film set on zoom because that, uh, that's been sold to Blumhouse right no 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 it's a Shudder thing so Shudder has it it's there um it, it's distributed by Shutter, um, and it's basically, which is probably the best story of all lockdown. They made it in lockdown, and they managed to get cinema cinemas to play it, which is great. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's insane. That's like that's like the ultimate. Like, what did you do with your lockdown? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what was um what was rewatching nineteen seventeen like? Um, so I didn't watch it on a TV. Um, I watched it on a projector. So it's not it's not exactly the same, but um, I would say that I picked up on on better things because I turned subtitles on um this time. And oh, the biggest thing I've noticed was um, for people that haven't seen it, I don't care, spoilers, whatever. <laughs> spoilers! <laughs> There's a bit, so you know when he reaches, reaches the second division, he's in the woods there, and he's kind of like passing out as the guy sings. Singing, yeah. yeah. And there's a kid that comes up to him and kind of wakes him up, and in the subtitles it says, Mendes, um, Corporal Mendes, I think it was said. Awesome. Oh, because it's based on his grandfather. granddad. Granddad, yeah. So unless you have subtitles on, you wouldn't know, notice that, or until you watch the credits. Yeah. Credit. So, so I was like, that's a nice little touch to just like he's not amazing. Yeah. I think I think in real life he might have been like a way higher up than that, but in the film it just kind of gave him like a cameo. And, yeah. And kind of, so that was a nice touch, which I was like, oh, this kind of brings. Home a little bit more, but once again, watching it at home, um, it was just as intense. What really uh, sells it to me all the time, every time, is the the sound design. Sound design is great for this um, because there's small things that kind of creep up on you and then kind of ra- raise attention. And there's always uh, for anyone that has seen the film, it's the bit you guys you remember the bit where it, there was a, I think it was cathedral burning or something like that and he walks yeah. out in front of it and to his right there's a guy coming there's towards him that bit is so freaky so freaky so tense and he gets it, it it did just the same things as it did 
I'm really keen to rewatch it because I feel like I'll have a similar experience with it that I did with Blade Runner 2049, which is like you see it at IMAX and it's this like visceral like experience that you're just thrown in the center of and it's like amazing sound design, amazing visuals. You kind of follow the story and then when I rewatched Blade Runner again at home, the story hit me so much harder and it was like watching a different a different film. That's Not necessarily yeah. like better or worse, but just different. That's my issue with IMAX. Trust me, I love IMAX. I love watching Tenet. In IMAX. No, I do. I get that. Yeah, I do get that. It's like you have to watch it twice. You know, so way. in the middle of it, you're like, for fuck's sake, what's going on here? But it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like, I'm in the driver's seat. I want to be in the back seat telling people how to drive. <laughs> exactly. And that's why Tenet, and that's why Tenet, watching it second time and the third time in the cinema worked so well for me because I was like, oh, I can actually just be like the back person here now. Tenet takes it to another level because it's like you almost have to watch it again to even understand. Like the amount of Reddit posts I've, I've, I've read. Basically. I was going to say, have you just been like commenting on people's on posts just being like, the whole film is this, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's what happens, bro. Um, should we go into this week's film? Uh, the horror one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> this week's horror. <laughs> <laughs> this week's horrifyingly heartfelt film. Oh. Yes. Let's do a PBJ. No, PBF. I have to say, I haven't asked Louis, but there's a massive grand piano behind you. <laughs> I, did, I, I asked him about it. He ignored it. <laughs> Is this a it's, family um, one? Yeah, I, it's my, it's it was it was at my mum's. You, you've seen it a few times. Can you play it? Oh, I can tinker. Louis can do some great late night piano, like Elton John. I'm practicing my overhand. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna go for like a Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, so is this? Have you? Is this a lockdown move to annoy all your neighbours? My mum's been saying for a while that she um like she just doesn't play the piano at all. And she used to like having it at hers when people came to visit and stuff. Obviously, no one's visiting at the moment. So she asked if I'd be up for taking it. So how did you get it in? Yeah, that's a big one. I hired my piano guy. You got a piano guy? I got a piano guy. And then they just wheeled it up in the lift. Oh, that sounds actually really brutally easy. It was, it was ridiculously easy. I thought it was going to take hours. Dumb. I, I think I could move a piano into your house as well. It's like a straight up elevator probably i feel like we should just move louis one to here just <laughs> just, just so we can just to mix it up but this isn't the piano podcast <laughs> yeah, i forgot <laughs> this is the piano butter falcon podcast Ooh. Um, oh. no so this week's film is the peanut butter falcon made in 2019 another recent flick that we're doing Directed by Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz and written by them, I believe. The synopsis of this film is Zach runs away from his care home to make his dream of becoming a wrestler come true. Uh, noted that this is the highest grossing independent film of 2019, which I thought was an interesting nice. fact. I have to say that we were, Ben Ass and I were very close to choosing a massive action flick and then we felt that we can't put Louis through that, through that again. So, uh, Extraction so, was too recent. Yeah. Uh, so we landed on this gem of an indie film which I love and have watched twice now. Once about three months ago and once before this pod. What did you guys think? What are the, what are the vibes with Peanut Butter Falcon? So when I watched it, must have been like about two, three, whatever months ago. I enjoyed it then, and it kind of gave me a new light on Shire. I always knew he was a good actor. He's just done some maybe interesting choices. But more than that, it was just like how... Um, so a big thing about this film is how um, 
people with Down syndrome don't get enough representation, which is obviously correct. Like, there's no two ways around it. Yeah, we should say, actually, for anyone who hasn't seen this, that... Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, spoilers for a start. The, <laughs> spoilers! The, the lead in this is is, uh, is Zach. It's, his last name gets me all the time. I'm going to gut it. So, it's Zach for now. Zach. Um, and it, so, he's a person with Down syndrome. Personally, I feel he carries this film, well, like, massively, right? And so, Shia his character really like and I'll, we'll go into the into how many other uh, actors were about to go into that role but his how his character like complements his character so much that that their their whole companionship the friendship is like you just kind of yeah you definitely root for them at every moment of the film like when you yeah, know, even when, when film when things go bad and especially that, that scene when uh, they're in a cabin and they have that raft, right? And and it get burnt. It it get gets burnt by Rat Boy and uh, the other dude. <laughs> Generic redneck one and two. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you have uh, so Shy is on his knees, like about to get his one of his hands blown off, right? And then uh, the kid comes out with the shotgun, and he's like, "Oh, do you know how to point that thing?" Yeah, it's Buckshot. It's <laughs> um, so great. It's like, yes, fucking delivered it. Um, so You're so right about Zach. He is such talent. an amazing talent. Yeah, and has such a great. He has such a. I felt like one of his massive strengths as an actor was he had such great timing with timing so and, many. And he kind yeah, of so like at every at every scene. Although like Shia is like the bigger actor, obviously. Um, I feel like Zach took uh Zach commended the scene way more than you know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, then Shia did, for example, like in a scene such as they're in the um, cornfields, as uh, just before Shia is about to go into a gas station to pick up some essentials, and he's like, "Oh, I got no money, no pockets," and uh, <laughs> and then uh, Shia is like, "Oh, I got your pockets." Do we know how much of it was scripted? Um, a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it was scripted. Um, yeah. Obviously, not everything was always scripted, but a lot of it was because I did read some of the screenplay today. It was definitely scripted, but I do think a lot large parts of it were improv in that they went, they kind of stayed in the area that the lines right. were. Yeah, yeah. What's rule number one? <laughs> Party! Party! <laughs> and, that, and that line was improv. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah. I asked because I thought that that line sounded kind of improv. It was that whole sequence was a little bit kind of. Um, but I, that was one of my favorite sequences. Oh, wow. um, so clever, yeah, really nice. I'd say my f- favorite sequence is the bit where he's doing the the sand um, angel thing. You know, where he's like, uh, like I'm a bad guy, and Shia's like, you're not a bad guy. Yeah, that uh, scene is that scene's amazing. Yeah, I thought the way that that was blocked with him lying down it's, and um, shot. Yeah, him. yeah, and the dialogue. I spe- uh, that that one was scripted and. That one was very well done. And so basically this whole film, I remember watching Sean Baker's uh, Florida Project and having the same kind of feel of like um, disenfranchised people um, finally getting a little bit, little, being showcased and not being showcased in a kind of, you know, uh, usually what it is is more dramatic and poverty kind of lines uh, and kind of like, oh, what do you have to go through? But this is much like in uh, Florida Project, it was kind of like this naive day that allows them to kind of like, just go out on this adventure, which is essentially what this was, uh, Huckleberry Finn kind of adventure. So they have this kind of like fantasy almost thing going to it. Not like dragons or anything, but like they're just going on this action. It's like imagina- imagination kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. like... Like, yeah, the wrestling move. So see, this is an actual adventure instead of just being like, oh, we're going on an adventure. And yeah. yeah, no, yeah. So I would say that this... Yeah, this was as close to like a 
Florida Project, which is one of my favorite films, as one could be without kind of like ripping off the same topic or whatever. Mm. You're putting marginalized people and putting them through a timeline where they're trying, just basically trying to achieve the most basic of things, just kind of trying to uh, to care ourselves in the world. And I think that managed it perfectly. I agree. It's just, it reminded me actually a little bit of um, the Coen Brothers, "A oh Brother Where Art Thou," because even oh, though yeah. even though it's not it's not the same, but that's just a, like basically a scene for scene remake of the Odyssey, but just told in a different context yeah, yeah. and i guess this is kind of based on that archetype as well that you know every like a, a good story is based around a journey um yeah, from one yeah. place to another and and that's totally what drives the narrative in this film and there were parts of it i agree with you that because for most for the most part it kind of seemed naturalistic but there were parts of it that just kind of delved into the not completely surreal but the slightly kind of hyper hyper real like kind of slightly unusual things like like the blind guy who could sort of smell them coming and then sort of baptized him and then gave him a raft and uh, and, and the wrestling movie and as well. Even that blind guy bit, I actually didn't joke. I was like, oh my god, that's that's absolutely it. You need a uh, you need a Jesus freak down in South. Yeah, of course yeah. you do. Um, yeah. And that I could, I went on board with that, but I didn't. Yeah. It's not. You I got fearing. You got fearing. I can smell it on you. <laughs> <laughs> Smallest bit. I didn't kind of like. It's not that I didn't go along with it, but it took me out. I'd say it is obviously at the end where um, being a butter falcon is like has the dude like what fucking two hundred pound dude just kind of oh, yeah, logging him straight away. I, d- I didn't mind that too much because it was referenced earlier in the script that, that oh, yeah. his act was quite strong. Mm. Oh yeah, no, no, because no, he's like you're, you're pure muscle, you're gonna sink in the water. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I, I, I went back to that straight away. I was like, oh yeah, I could probably see him do that, but it still feels um, unnatural to the me. Way, I'm I was sure about that. The way it was shot looked a bit unnatural. Completely unnatural. It, because it, all they did was a, like a pan with him. Yeah. yeah, so that just felt unnatural. I sort of have a theory about that, Pippi, because I completely agree that whole... Well, um, no, it's not, it's not wild enough to be a one wild, it's to be an <laughs> I-word. Um, it, let's just call it a one theory, which is um, because Shia gets his head cracked in, spoiler alert, just just after that happens, I think there's a kind of, um, there's a suspension of disbelief because for that moment you're sort of seeing him the way that Shia sees him. Yeah, and that's kind really of the way that Shia kind of nice. remembers him, but yeah, obviously good. didn't remember. But he yeah, just yeah, chooses yeah. to sort of imagine that. That's because a great read. That's as it was read. happening, I just had, I was like, this is ridiculous. It has been a really naturalistic film up to this point, and then it goes completely nuts. And then when he gets his head smacked in afterwards, you're like, oh, I, I kind of get okay, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no. It could be like Shia's memory of it being like, yeah. this was the perfect. Like, through his eyes, through his I, yeah. I think that's a good read because the whole film goes into slow motion, which is very stylistic, and it's not done that at any yeah. point no, no. during the whole film. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that. I'm going to go with that read because I yeah. like <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I came up with that read. <laughs> I know, Louis, you spoiler alerted us by saying that you loved it, so I'm presuming that you didn't yeah. love this movie. I really loved it. I thought it was so heartwarming. You know me, I just like I like character development and dialogue heavy shit. And this was basically that in buckets. It was a really, really simple narrative structure where like not that much needed to happen. You just saw the growth of the growth of people. It was more like the things that happened in the film were just there to kind of enable the character to get closer to each other. I love that. Were you the one that said let's watch with Nail and I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was all with Nail and I. 
I think you're right about the clarity of, of the characters, um, but the fact that often that clarity of journey is associated with like more cookie cutter kind of characters. Whereas with this, it obviously wasn't in any way. You still had that clarity of an arc. Yeah. The way that they fitted with each other, which I thought was... They were very three-dimensional characters as well, all of them. And I guess the message of the of the whole film is that humans are three-dimensional. You know, um, I think you put it quite nicely in your one-pager, Dom, about Zach makes him realise that just because he's done a bad thing doesn't make him a bad guy. And I think that kind of that kind of message is actually really poignant that, you know, you can do good things, but also be, be a bad guy and you can do bad things and be a good guy. The fact is that people don't, you know, binarily kind of break into two groups like that. Even, even the fact that the, what did we call them? The, the like stock hillbillies, rat boy and, and what's his name? Even they have a kind of, there's even a kind of an element of sympathy for them, right? Cause they, they don't need to, but they put in that sort of sequence at the end of the scene where they scare him off with the shotgun where he's like you're not the only one who's hard up here and and they kind of go to the lengths of exp- of like getting that character to explain why he kind of has to be violent he, he's not just doing it because he's a bad guy and because he's feeling violent he's doing it because if he doesn't then it's like his livelihood's under threat yeah yeah I, I, i'd agree with that. they had like a totally legit reason to get annoyed like their business was in shreds it's like they they weren't just like bad yeah. guys for the sake of it see it from their point of view they've got a license this guy's stealing their shit <laughs> they tell him to stop he burns their shit down <laughs> they oh, go because... to ask him for some money and then he, he chases them away with a shotgun yeah, it's like, <laughs> these guys are out of pocket and out of a business like there's, there's legit and tries to bring in moonshine yeah absolutely yeah. rat boy's got bills <laughs> There should be a sequel about Rat Boy having to explain to his family that the, in- <laughs> that the income is not going to come this time. Yeah. For anyone who who doesn't know the backstory of how this film got made, Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz, I think, were not in film, as I understand it, at all. They worked at a... Not in the way you would imagine, yeah. No, they worked. I think they worked at an actor's who, who had disabilities camp. One was an actor, one was a film editor. They volunteered at this camp, and that's yeah. when they met Zach. Uh, zero, what was it Foundation Zero Mountain or something like that? And that's where they found Zach, and then thought he was amazing. And then I thought this was interesting. Then they wrote the script around him. Uh, Zach was very adamant. He was like, well, I want to be an actor. Have you write, you direct, we make a film. Like, just you just put it in those plain layman terms was like yo <laughs> you write it direct and i'll just be in it initially i think it was one of the guys was meant to be uh taking shire's place but then josh josh brolin got involved because he was like on a new year's resolution thing he was like i'm gonna help people and then he put on his instagram yeah, like, yeah. this is josh brolin yeah, and I actually remember seeing that. <laughs> but these guys, they had a script ready and they jumped on that. <laughs> and, wow. and then he's like, I'm going to help you make it. Talked about how having Josh Brolin, even just being able to be like, Josh Brolin's interested, yeah. made people look at the script and go, oh, yeah, okay, wow. this is like, this is legit. He never, he never said he's going to be in it, though. <laughs> no, but apparently he was being asked to be the rest, to be the salt water. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> which I can see him totally. Yeah, I can see that big yeah. time. Um, big time. No shade away from the guy from Spider-Man 3 who ended up being the saltwater redneck. You mean the guy were... from George in the Jungle? Sure. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He's, not, he's not one role, but yeah. <laughs> Yo, but quick note about that guy's yeah, yeah. performance. So after he asked that, like, oh, does saltwater, saltwater doesn't live here, and he's just Clint here, the moment when they're walking away from, like, 
the fields and stuff and then that car starts doing it starts doing donuts with their hard rock music in the background i was like oh this is this is what moves are made of this yeah. is the moment <laughs> so good so that movie has those moments in spades where it's just like it has that kind of like again another moment would have been where where they're crossing the river and he can't swim uh Saskara can't swim right so shy is kind of like floating him along but then the boat comes along right and then you have this maybe a minute you have this kind of like anxiety if if uh, Zach's going to make it because he, he can't swim, he just float along and Shire's kind of like pulling him through. And, you know, that's another great kind of like almost Indi- Indiana Jones kind of moment, like where it's adventurous. It's as adventurous as anything Indiana Jones has done because it's just that close to danger. I, I thought it was a great moment as well. I think this, this film is full of moments like that. And it's such a heartfelt film, which is very, very hard to pull off. Like a lot of films try and a lot of films kind of imitate a version of it, but yeah. few are actually it. And I yeah. think this is this is why this got so popular because it is yeah. such a heartfelt film. You can't you can't hate this movie. It is just It'd be hard to do it. It's just it's, like Yeah, it's so good. I gotta say, I'm a massive fan of Shia. I think he's an amazing actor and mm. I just love the raw, realness, no bullshit that he brings to each role. I'm not necessarily saying his character had that in the film, but you can tell as an actor that he was there in the moment. And I've watched a few interviews with him where he talks about how Zach really helped him through a lot of bad times and yeah. they've become really, really good friends. And he says this whole movie has changed his perspective. It's so nice that the film gave something back to someone that was involved in it. Yeah, this this film for sure. Like, I mean, you're floating on a raft, you know, especially when he's like, I'm going to give you all my birthday wishes. And that, <laughs> that bit I cracked up at the same time as Shia did in the film, weirdly. Yeah, I didn't know, but like, it's like yeah, you almost feel like he was just reacting to that in real time. Yeah, yeah. There's such a good mix in this film of a, of it being very well written dialogue that mm. isn't trying to be smart. It's not trying to outsmart you. No. It's trying to just tell you how it is, and then it's delivered with this genuine performance. And I think that's what a lot of these films get wrong. Those kind of like adventurous, kind of like uh, coming of age, which is again, this is they try to be a little bit smarter than the people in the film are. are. It's also just about like how can a writer like properly represent the mind of someone with Down syndrome? Exactly. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you you obviously need to find a balance so that you can direct the story and you can you, you know you can take it somewhere. But it's also just nice when you're not trying to take it anywhere. You're just trying to show intimacy. Yeah, because obviously they were shopping around the script and stuff, and you would want to kind of like sell it and get anyone attached to make it. Uh, these guys knew Zach for like three years before anyway. So really and truly, they knew Zach is way better than anyone ever will in terms of directing. It takes that amount of care to kind of like to trust, to make sure that tr- Zach trusts the directors to put them in the in the right light and in the right kind of perspective so that he doesn't come across as just kind of like, you know, laborers or whatever, but he comes across as this genuine cat who's... Uh, which is actually just on his own adventure to become, you know, a badass wrestler. Eleanor almost represents how people yeah. see people with Down syndrome. It's that they like can't do this or can't do that. And Shy just Shy is the only person that treats him like a normal person. Says I'm a person with Down syndrome, and he's just like, cool. We need to go on this hike. Let's go. He doesn't have any problem with it, and I just think that that's like the genius of the film. Like even though that seems so simple, that little flip. That's yeah, for, for Tyler, it's, I think a part of the reason for that is because he's at rock bottom, because he's just kind of considers himself like scum and, uh, do you know what I mean? And doesn't in any way consider himself like better than anyone else. 
I feel like he's mm. he just is in no place to even notice, never, let alone judge the situation that anybody else might be in. Do yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's it's almost like his desperation is the reason for his lack of prejudice. That's very true, and he he has this like thing of him and his bigger brother who passed away, like look kind of looked after him, and now he isn't being looked after, but he has no one else to look after. He kind of has that in, instinct in him, I think that develops. Yeah. And he, and he punches that kid. Do you remember when that kid? Yeah, yeah, just thirteen-year-old kid or something, like nine or whatever. He's got a job, but just like <laughs> knocks him out. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? <laughs> so you, after Shia comes out of the gas station uh, after talking to Eleanor, right? He's like, "My man, you're a criminal." To that, and that moment was as heartfelt as as it was with the you know when the when he's doing the snow angel thing in the sand it's just like that moment of camaraderie he's like oh so you're not just a kid who's a stray you know who hit him in my boat it's like oh we're meant to be on on this journey together because we're both criminals we're both outlaws we're doing this the way that was delivered and the way in in terms of writing and uh kind of like how the story progressed it was perfect like shia thought he was the only criminal he's he he saw himself as the only bad guy who he knew right and that that conversation we talked about by the boat where they talk about good guys and bad guys when you read the script you really realize how much he's just um how much of shia is just reflected in from zach like the fact that at the end of that he's you know do you think i'm a bad guy and he's like and he's no, I think that there's just a, I don't know, there's a duality to that scene where Zach kind of, Zach just wants to be a wrestler and he just wants to be like the villain. But in, in Shire, seeing him like that, he's like, you don't, you know, you don't want to be, the, it's almost like he's talking to himself. Yeah. And this kind of film makes you realize that you can have a great script, you can have a great actor, but this film managed to capture that other bit of magic that happens that's very hard to get that everyone wants to mm-hmm. capture. And it's that where it makes it feel that it is completely genuine and they yeah, actually yeah. are there experiencing this. There's a nice, um, you mentioned it briefly, but there's a really nice symmetry, isn't there, about, about for Tyler, obviously the biggest obstacle that he's facing is the guilt of being responsible for his brother's death and the symmetry of the fact that he was kind of a younger brother and then redeeming himself by sort of being the older brother figure for for Zach it's a really beautiful kind of um because you could think like okay well maybe he'd do it in a different way like he'd redeem himself by meeting somebody who was like his brother or something who would kind of save him but it's the opposite it's like he kind of by by sort of helping somebody else that's how he kind of saves himself I feel like we need to find something wrong with this film otherwise we're just gonna <laughs> <laughs> To say, to say one other thing that I loved, which has we no one has mentioned yet, is I I thought the flashbacks with his brother by uh, John Berthnall is were so well done, and they really gave me. I I know this is going to sound like I'm plugging this, but I'm really not. It does. It gave me like a Malik Nolan vibe when it cut back to them, and you don't hear the audio from the scene that they have, but you. Oh you yeah, you just the, you have the voiceover. Yeah, you yeah. the music. So paired with it, um, the moments that they chose to show in the flashbacks was just so uh, so powerful. I thought every time those scenes came up, they were they were quite yeah. transitory, like well it took to you. Which is, I think, they're quite hard. They're quite contained. They're quite hard to make anything beyond what they are. Those flashbacks are placed in the right in the right frame of mind that he's feeling in. So when he's feeling a bit more drunk, he's he's feel he remembers the guilt that what happened on that that night. It elevates it in a sense that you kind of feel it a bit more. Uh, because what usually happens in films with flashbacks, they all they do is like your mother was here last night. No way, she <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I did not need to know this. Um, 
Actually, to, to speak about the music, I thought the just some of the soundtrack was just really well done. I thought the score was great. I, I recognized quite a lot of it, by the way. As I was watching, I was like, oh, I actually listened to that album that day. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. There's quite a lot of these tracks I actually just listened to. Because oh. um, they had these songs as they were writing it, right? Um, and they were like trying to get rights to it and stuff. But they expected to be way higher of a budget. But these cast like Gregory, I uh, like, yeah, you can have it. That's what I thought was so interesting because the budget for this film, um, yeah, but they apparently they didn't have a a lot of cash and things like knowing that they had a friend who had a farm where they could find bits to build a raft was like the way that they approached stuff. You know, they they built the story around they just need to be on a raft in a river so we can just have a cameraman on the raft with them. It's big filmmaking, but it's not spectacle. It's not spectacle filmmaking. Yeah. It was still spectacle enough how they built the raft. It, I was actually enjoying that mo- montage. Like, that was a good montage. Yeah, yeah there was a good feel to it. Okay, Shia, although being a fucking... He steals crabs, sure. He should build rafts for a living. Because then we're <laughs> <have to> get... <laughs> That was a damn good raft. So, the runner just went to town on, like, how to build a raft. Because <laughs> it's like, building it in the background. Fucking nailed it. Half the budget was data for the YouTube. <laughs> I loved it when they were on the raft and, and Shia was just like, put your head underwater. And he, she's like, you can't do that. It's like, he's going to do that. <laughs> just put his head under. Then he came out with a fish. Yeah, and then she's like, yo, that's hitting the fish on the ground. She's like, what is going on? That seemed quite good because, so in the beginning, he's like, yo, put your head underwater. And she's like, he can't do that. He's like, it'll be fine. They forget about him. He oh, and she tells like, that's not long enough. Go back. <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> That was good. I like that. I do think it's fair, though. It is, it's probably, it is probably a fair criticism to say that of, of all the kind of central characters, hers is probably the most gleaned over. Like, she's still a great character, but she's only a kind of... She's only a secondary character. She's only there to sort of have an effect on the the, the, the central two. Well, I, I agree that you don't really, really understand her motivation. Quite nicely threaded in at the end, where it became about her finding... Because she was a widow, that... And that that bit of her character kind of made it feel like she it fulfilled the whole theme of the film, which in my opinion was like friends of the family you choose, which is what the old guy says at the yeah, start. Yeah, yeah. That, oh. that they make a family at the end. It just kind of felt that fitted together. The saltwater redneck guy when they went to his house and the kind of realization that this That's is really like clever. Not, not a th- yeah, I thought that was very clever, and I thought the subtlety of the acting there. You're right about the moment where the car comes out. It's like a real movie moment. Eighties kind of classic. And he's like, and then he has like comes up. And Jokes then- had like blue down his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought they were gonna make the gag there that he was like, "Oh, I heard you met my friend Clint." Oh my Clint. god, that would have been best. I was like, surely, surely Zach recognizes his face as being the sort of order. That's almost just a testament of his, of the strength of his kind of adoration and like sincere belief that that Saltwater Taffy or whatever his name is, <laughs> Saltwater Redneck is. Is, so is, is, is a real person. We haven't even talked about everyone's wrestling names that we came up with. <laughs> what, what was it? Sugar, sugar salt water comes out in salt, it. Salt water redneck. <laughs> yeah, salt water redneck comes out in a car. Sugar salt water and salt water taffy. Did you guys watch the same film? <laughs> <laughs> but when the guy comes out in the car, he's like, oh my God, this is the guy. And what I love about Zach's reaction is he's like, I told you. He's really here. <laughs> yeah. Did you know as well? Shire got a job as a fisherman uh, in, in 
in the area and the guy that trained him is the guy in the scene that fires him at the start. Do you remember oh, that scene? Really? Wow. That guy is actually just the fisherman that trained him before the film and he's and a legit fired. fisherman and they were just like, look, you know him because you've been working with him. Do you want to come and fire him on camera? And the guy's like, yeah, all right, I'll go do it. <laughs> he was really good. Yeah, he was great. But there, apparently there, there are a lot of people in the film that are cast as uh, just, just the people that they are. So yeah, again, it's just like, the genuine realism that comes through this film. I want to, I want to say that it's hard to feel for Shia's character because he's just an asshole with a good yeah. heart. That's the thing. That's why I think it's so good because you, on the surface, it's like, yeah, he burns all this stuff. He steals boats in this, but I, I, underneath it, you can tell that it's he's just acting out over his brother's death. It just hasn't found his place in his hasn't found place, his place in the world. I guess the point is, would you cast a potent wine lord in your next indie film? <laughs> Louis wrestling name. <laughs> I, got no, a, I, I got a feeling. I got a feeling. Or would you cast the chugboat captain, which is <laughs> wrestling name that I've come up with? I think Lord Watches a lot was quite a good wrestling name. That, that was a good, uh, and I had no comeback for that. I had no comeback. I'm sorry that I watch a lot, guys. Yeah, I thought it's a film podcast. Quartermile Blackbeard is that? That's a reference to. Dom from Vin Diesel's character in Fast and Furious. Absolutely. Hence why I put the next gift was like, I live my, my life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> I, live, I live my life a quarter inch of my beard at a time. <laughs> Did you notice, by the way, the ref in Peanut Butter Falcon didn't have an ear on his right side? Yeah, yeah. Like the way that he would just be like, everybody, welcome. The yeah. potent wine lord. <laughs> 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 you like come out holding wine glasses. they like, oh. <laughs> He's picked up the Riesling. Bam! Uh, it is okay. a great scene, though. Like that whole scene of them wrestling, though. I was gonna say, I love when Zach comes out and he like ha he like high fives everyone and then kisses the woman on the head. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. When he first comes out and he's holding his arms out and his little wings are just flailing in the wind. And, it's like, and I, I love the direction that they must have given the audience there because the angle of the shot on the audience is like, they're all still facing the ring, but they're all just slightly turned. Yeah, it's just like, what is this going on? Oh, is... The best thing about the peanut butter falcon is what it is the name in French. It sounds so fancy. Le faucon au beurre d'arachide. <laughs> I'd love to see the dubbing in that scene where they come up with the name. Le faucon au beurre d'arachide. Gus. Shall we get onto iwads? iwads being the uh, it was all a dream segment of the podcast where we come up with an alternate theory on the film that we're doing, coined by our friend Dylan who famously said that if a film ends and it was all a dream, he gets really angry. I'm going to do it in the night. This is the night. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. That took me a second. Mine is quite simple and quite basic and very short. Talk to me. Essentially, Zach says in the film that his family left him, right? Yeah, yeah. Being in, that's why he's in this care home. My question is, how does he have this video of the saltwater redneck? Why does he have this VHS? Where does it come from? I think what's happened is the saltwater redneck is his dad. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing acting when they turn up, but it's... It's kind of strange how Clint is quite awkward. Like, he's not just like, oh, yeah, I used to do those back in the day. Like, oh, but we've closed down now. He's kind of awkward. And it's like, okay, because he recognizes that Zach is his son, right? And then when he starts training him and they're sitting at the table and stuff, you just get the impression that he's looking after him quite a lot and is quite kind yeah. of to him. 
And so I just, I don't know, that's that's kind of like the extent of the theory because then I was kind of like, the last shot of the Saltwater Redneck is just him like looking really concerned when Shire's in the hospital. <laughs> so you never actually, yeah, you never actually get why, but. I think that's genuinely, I think there's something in that. I think there's genuinely something in that. I got a different different one, but similar one. Go on. Just bring it mean, hear someone else's and then just change two words. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, um, back in the 80s when VHS was a thing, right? Uh, Saltwater Redneck was just sending them babies out. like, And then um, we got a Zach. He got it right, and he just kept playing it. But, but the thing about tape, it erodes, right? So you gotta keep buying them, right? And then, so he keeps buying them, plugging them in and stuff. But then, obviously, the whole adventure happens. And then he comes back to to uh, salt 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 water redneck's house, and salt water redneck is thinking like, oh shit, he's back for my money. <laughs> so what happened? His customer is yeah. back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh shit. Uh, shit, I can't, I can't say that salt water redneck is dead. So what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna say like, oh shit, I'm Clint.' But so they walk a few miles down, and he comes back with a car saying, "I'm salt water redneck." And then he's like, "Yo, all we gotta do is push ourselves on our DVDs now." <laughs> so you think you think that he was just trying to get more money out of Zach, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. The fact that Zach is his most famous customer because he's overbought the VHSs is quite a funny theory. <laughs> just nailed it. <laughs> All right, I got one. So Rat Boy and what's his name? The, the Hillbilly one and two. The, yeah, Hillbilly <laughs> one and two. At one point they were Redneck one and two, and then they became Hillbilly one, one and two. And that's <laughs> the difference. Why do we know that it's? Rad boy and just random guy next to him. <laughs> rat boy one and rat boy two. Rat boy is the extra, by the way. It's rat, it's rat man and rat boy. Yeah, rat boy and rat man. Okay, so rat boy, rat boy. My th- my theory is that rat boy and rat man, as well as being um, fairly successful uh, fishermen on on the river, also own and manage uh, a wrestling uh, <laughs> entertainment ring down in Aden. Um, but the problem is they're trying to get more people to go because it's not really kind of getting enough interest. And so what they do is um, uh, they realize that there's this kid in the local uh, retirement home who has been trying to get down there. They stage an escape for him. So we see the bars already kind of open up when, and we're ready to believe that it's because they did it themselves. They didn't. It was because Ratboy and Ratman came and helped them out. Uh, and then realizing that he's not going to get down there, they um, they chase Tyler away so that Tyler take he can be his ride. He can get he can get uh, Zach down to the school. So it's all just basically so that um, there's a big hole in the theory because then why would they beat Shire up at the wrestling ring? Because uh, it's all part of the entertainment for the fans. Oh, what? So, like, the real, the fake wrestling actually became re- <laughs> real wrestling. <laughs> That's why the guy who was there. I actually think your your iWod of Hitchshire think seeing that is almost the the iWod of this week. <laughs> it got weird, but bro. It got weird. I love how you've chosen like the two rednecks of the story to be like the masterminds behind all these serendipitous meetings behind Shire. It's always it's, always, it's like like the real estate agent in uh, American Beauty. Yeah, some good eye words. I I think uh, I think Louis one probably clinches it this week. <laughs> not, not my not, not my not my official one. Maybe my no, no, not his official one. one. His his unofficial one. <laughs>
I mean, if that did it, then I'm fucking done with iWatts. It doesn't make no sense. All in all, peanut. The by the way, it's. I thought it was peanut butter falcon. It's the peanut butter falcon for anyone that's wondering. Yeah, no, I, I thought the same thing. It was like, why would you put the third? Th- oh duh. shit! I watched the wrong one. Oh, you watched, oh, oh you watched her. Oh, you watched You watched the nineteen eighties one where the guy's doing the video. <laughs> I watched the thirties cartoon. What did you watch? Oh goddamn! Oh, you watched the Russian film about uh, the takeover of <laughs> yeah, the Kulikov. Yeah, 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 the Soviet submarine. Yeah, that one. I would say this is a an all in all recommend from the pod. And Absolutely. if you you, you there's, oh, right. this is I, I feel like also this film fits a really nice thing where it's like you can watch it with anyone, family, friends, other half. You can love it. You cannot go wrong. I would recommend this to, it's hard to not recommend this thing to people because like especially right now in uh in lockdown. Yeah, firstly in lockdown. I would say that this is the type of film that kind of like just get it renews your faith in humanity a little bit. All right, well, look, I, I'm not sure what our next film is, but I will say that um, Little Miss Sunshine is on it's, the cards. Oh, okay. It's back on the cards, though. And it's on the cards, so I'm feeling like we could get that going and that'd be pretty cool. All right, guys, this was fun. Good to see everyone. Yeah, good to see you, Sparrow. See good your grand piano, Louis. Mute button. I want to hear some iWords from that piano next time. <laughs> A piano tune that's a riff on the soundtrack of the film we're doing it's like ah <laughs> it is goodbye from the potent wine lord no whoa i didn't i didn't hear him say anything so i'm just gonna assume he's saying bye <laughs> he's too busy drinking wine uh, it's goodbye from the chugbeard captain yeah checking it goodbye from the quarter mile blackbeard <laughs> yay <laughs> all right stay safe peanut butter falcons peace, peace. see you next time